0: Thank you for being a part of our church service today. It is our desire at Riverstone Church that God's Word will work in you to produce an abundant field life. To know more about the ministry or to support, visit RiverstoneChurch.net. May the Lord bless you today as you listen to this message. If you will stand with me, we're going to look at the Word of the Lord in Luke chapter 2 beginning at verse 21. Verse 21. Uh, I'll read verse 21, and then we'll skip to 25 and go through verse uh, 38. Actually, I'm just going to read that whole passage. Uh, So we'll start at verse 21. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him... Uh, to the Lord. Uh, So two uh, events here, the circumcision of the Lord Jesus, and then about 40 days later, they would have, or 40 days from his birth, they would have gone up to uh, the temple in Jerusalem to present him uh, to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Verse twenty four, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit in into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which have been prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon "'Blessed them and said to Mary his mother, "'Behold, this child is appointed "'for the fall and rise of many in Israel "'and for a sign to be opposed, "'and the sword will pierce even your own soul "'to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. "'And there was a prophetess, Anna, "'the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. "'She was advanced in years "'and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage "'and then as a widow to the age of 84.' She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the public reading of Scripture, and we ask you to speak to us through your word today. Help us to apply this word to our heart faithfully, Lord. And uh, we thank you for it. We thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit, even during this service today. And we pray that it will continue uh, for your glory, Lord. And we ask these things in your precious name, we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. When we read through this uh, passage, uh, what we see is that Jesus' parents were Uh, law-abiding Jews, religious Jews who Desire to be faithful uh, to the law. They show up uh, at the temple to perform the sacrifices associated with Mary's purification after birth, uh, which again occurs about forty days uh, after the child's arrival, and that Jesus, being that firstborn child, was to be set aside uh, as a uh, as almost as an offering to the Lord, and so there was a sacrifice that took place in the temple recognizing that uh, the child was holy unto the Lord. And so uh, Jesus is there with Mary and Joseph and they offer what is required, a pair of doves or two young pigeons, which uh, would have been in essence the sacrifice, the offering of some, uh, someone who wasn't very uh, wealthy, uh, but uh, people who would have of, of little means. And uh, this is a tradition, again, according to uh, religious custom that would have been something that would have happened for uh, each family, each couple who would have uh, had a child, a firstborn child, they would have followed this pattern. So Mary and Joseph were kind of following this pattern along. And what we see as we read through this narrative in Luke, both Luke 1 and Luke uh, 2, is that uh, Mary and Joseph were faithful parents of, of the Lord. Uh, while Mary and Joseph certainly did not control Jesus's destiny, that was ordained in infinite past according to 1 Peter 1 and 18 and Revelation 13 and 8, that Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world to be the sacrificial lamb that was slain. What Mary and Joseph did provide for the Lord is the culture in which he would exist. And so they were faithful to take him uh, to the temple and they were faithful to uh, fulfill the custom of the law. Uh, The Old Testament tradition talks about talking about the ways of the Lord, engaging in the ways of the Lord throughout your everyday life, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you're at the gate, talking about the way of the Lord, talking about the things of the Lord, thinking about the things of the Lord, reminding your family that when your children ask you questions about why we do these things, you should say unto them about the testimony of the Lord. So many of you may have uh, traditions that you just experienced as part of your Christmas celebration and your traditions as part of that Christmas celebration, we ought to think about those traditions and do they point us and do they point the next generation to faithfulness to the Lord? We ought to examine our traditions throughout the year. What do those traditions say and mean in terms of pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us to create a culture in which the next generation can step into faith at the right time? Uh, That is our responsibility, both as parents and as a church family, to create a culture, not to just sit back and expect it to happen. God has a destiny and a plan for everyone. There is a purpose that God has called you to. But as those who are a little older in the Lord, we also have to think about creating a culture and a dynamic, both in our church and in our homes, where there is a receptivity to the gospel, where we are faithful to what the Scripture calls us to do, and where our children see the Scriptures lived out before them in a faithful way. And again, this goes beyond just simply blood lineage, but it is a testimony of the church as a whole to the generation that is coming up behind us that we must be faithful to what God calls us to do and that's exactly what Mary and Joseph were that were faithful to what the scriptures called them to do and as they were faithful to what God was speaking to them they met a individual named Simeon who was a faithful prophet. The word of the Lord says that Simeon was righteous and devout and that he was advanced in age. He was righteous, the inner man was in right relationship with God, and he was devout, meaning that the outer man, the deeds, the things in which he did were in alignment with how he thought on the inside about God. He was doing things in order to please God because he was righteous on the inside. If we see people doing things on the outside that are seemingly good deeds, but they're inside, the inside thoughts, the inside intense or wicked, what do we call that person? A hypocrite. Say that person is a hypocrite because they're simply doing things on the outside that doesn't match what's happening on the inside. But the Bible says that Simeon was righteous and devout. He was righteous on the inside. He was devout, doing the things, doing the deeds of what it meant to be a faithful person to the Lord. What was on the inside and what was on the outside were in alignment. And The Bible says that Simeon was looking for the consolation of Israel. Uh, Simeon knew that the challenge was not Roman occupation of Jerusalem and of Israel, he understood conceptually that this wasn't the ultimate problem, but it was the condition of the heart and the blight of sin. Simeon had an understanding of this. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. Three times in three verses, uh, we see that Simeon was empowered and lived by The Spirit, as you read through this passage in uh, Luke chapter 2, we see three instances where it talks about Simeon coming in the Spirit to the temple, living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. And that really ought to be the characterization of who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. People who are active and walking in the Spirit of the Lord. People who come to the house of the Lord full of the Spirit of the Lord. He came in the temple in the Spirit. We ought to long to come to God's house in the Spirit. Simeon was faithful in waiting. His calling in life was to fulfill one purpose, to lay his Physical eyes upon the Messiah. And once he sees the Messiah, he is discharged of his responsibility. Interesting, isn't it? Someone who is elderly, waiting, God has given them a word, God has given him a promise. God has spoken to him about what is going uh, to happen, that he's going to be able to lay his eyes upon the Messiah, the one who is going to bring redemption to Israel. And so throughout his life, he's anticipating, he's waiting, he's uh, living in the spirit. He's doing the things that are righteous and devout. His heart is right, but he is looking for the promise that has been given to him. He is waiting on the promise. And the Bible says, says that he is advanced in age, but we can understand through reading the passage that he hadn't lost hope. He hadn't turned away from the promise. He hadn't turned back. He hadn't turned aside, but he was continually being faithful, not knowing if today was going to be the day or tomorrow was going to be the day or the next day was going to be the day, but he was hopeful in waiting that with his physical eyes, he would lay them on the Messiah and see the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what happens. The picture here is that it's like a a, a sentinel guard waiting for something to take place, watching, waiting, looking. Have you ever been to the tomb of the unknown soldier in D.C.? and kind of seen the activity of waiting and watching and anticipating. You think that the guards, I I believe they take 21 steps one way, wait 21 seconds, turn, take 21 steps. Everything is completely choreographed and Timed, And if you've ever seen kind of the video where there's this like viewing stand over here and if you think they're focused and they're just watching what is straight ahead of them, but if someone gets a line out of here, they immediately snap to attention and address the person who's out of line, whether it's being loud, whether it's stepping beyond where they're supposed to step. They are anticipating what is going to happen. And this is similar concept to what Simeon was doing. He was as that sentinel guard keeping focused on the Lord, but waiting and anticipating this coming of Messiah. Faithfulness. And he gives this prophecy that is kind of both, both hopeful and foreboding. Hopeful in that there is this longing to see Christ and Jesus is going to bring peace to both the Jews and the Gentiles, but it is also foreboding in that it is a prophecy of Christ's death to Mary in verses 34 and 35, that there would be a fall and rise of many, and that the sword will pierce even the soul of Mary in order that many hearts would be revealed. I was sharing with someone earlier this week, and an incident had uh, happened, and as I was hearing about the incident, I thought, thank you, Lord, that a heart has been revealed, that something has been shown that was not previously understood or previously known. God is able to discern hearts, to show us what's going on in someone's heart, to give understanding. And wisdom, and that's exactly what happened, and what continues to happen today through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the work of the Spirit in our life. God is able to reveal to us, and in us, and through us, what the intents of our heart will be. Are there's times when I've wrestled with the intent of my heart. What is the intent of my heart? You know, we always think the best of ourselves, don't we? We always think that our motives are pure, and particularly in uh, times of conflict, that the other person's motives are are impure. And sometimes I think we get confused on those points. We have to step and trust the power and grace of the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to us even our own hearts. Sometimes we may be the ones in error. Sometimes we need the Lord to bring correction to us, even as we may anticipate correction for someone else. So we have to be open that God, who is the only one who is able to reveal the intent of the heart, would reveal it to us first. Show us our heart. Show us our intent. And Jesus talks about this when he says, When you've got conflict with your brother, first work on that log in your own eye, and then you can see clearly to begin to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. Revealing our heart. Simeon, advanced in age, waiting, anticipating the consolation of Israel. And then in the story, we meet Anna, a very unique uh, woman. Uh, Her heritage is given because it's quite unusual. Asher, which means happy, was uh, the eighth son of Jacob. That's the tribe that she was from. Asher was the offspring of Zilpah, Leah's maid, and Jacob's concubine. You can read that story in Genesis 30. And the tribe that descended from Asher belonged to the apostate Northern Kingdom of Israel. So, kind of an interesting uh, heritage there with Anna, but the Bible clearly identifies her as a prophetess, and she's only among a handful of women in the Bible that bears this title. The others are Miriam, the sister of Moses in Exodus 15 and 20, Deborah the judge in Judges 4 4, the wife of Shalom in 2 Chronicles 34 and 22. Isaiah's wife, who we don't have a name for, in Isaiah 8 and 3. And then Philip's four unmarried daughters in Acts 21 and 9. These are the prophetesses mentioned in Scripture. Uh, generally, the role of a, of a prophet or prophetess would be to foretell, to give knowledge and revelation, or to foretell, to declare, thus says the word of the Lord. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 14 and 3 says that the purpose of prophecy is for upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 and 22 says, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. First John 4 and 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So a prophet or prophetess would speak about the things of the Lord, share about the things of the Lord, but we have a responsibility, as the New Testament tells us, to test that word. Uh, As a congregation, I pray God helps us to never despise the prophetic gift, but also tests it against the authoritative and written word of God. That we would be faithful to know and to understand what God's word says, but we also would be faithful to welcome the prophetic utterances in our day that are part of what scripture tells us should even be normative in the body of Christ. Anna, she was part of this group of people who were seen as righteous. The Bible says they were righteous people in this birth narrative of the Lord Jesus Christ. We first see Zechariah and Elizabeth, then Mary and Joseph, then Simeon and Anna. These six individuals, the Bible says, are righteous. And Luke puts them in and tells us about them in this Christmas story. Anna was a widow She was married but did not remarry. Probably no children because it seems she lived in the temple complex, which would have took care of widows without children. She would have been of a low societal position being a widow who could not fund herself. And one of the things that's interesting about this is that it tells us that societal position does not preclude God's use of us for his purposes. Think back even to uh, the the the, uh, the an announcement of the Lord's birth to the shepherds. The announcement of the Lord's birth to the shepherds, shepherds were seen kind of as the lowest of the low. That's why they were on the outside. They didn't smell good. They weren't seen as uh, the most ethical type of people, and yet God chooses to announce to lowly societal outcasts the birth of his son. Go and see this thing which is happening. Can you imagine if you or I were to do that, we would announce it to the world systems and the world powers, wouldn't we? We want, Think about the lowly people who are out on the desert. We wouldn't think about the people who were the outcasts of society. But that's exactly what we see in this narrative. We see people who would normally not be thought of, people who would normally not be part of the story being brought in, young and old, male and female, part of the story of God's great plan of bringing his son into the world in order that redemption would be accomplished. Anna was Elderly, depending on how the, the, the translation of the numbers here works, she was either uh, 84 years old or a widow for 84 years. So scholars say potentially either from 84 years old to 105 years old. And we would just suffice it to say she was old. You know, she was old and she was uh, in the temple But she was doing something special. She wasn't sitting on the sidelines. She wasn't saying, my time is done. It's someone else's time to step in. It's someone else's time to kind of pick up the mantle and move along. She was intent in doing the work of the Lord until the day she would take her last breath. And I feel like we're, we're very blessed as a fellowship here with some of those who are more aged to be so faithful, so diligent in their prayers and in their encouragement and in their work of the Lord and helping to call the next generation to faithfulness and what I believe the scripture is speaking to us as we look at these people in the Christmas story is that God is faithful to use us he used Mary and Joseph in there as they were younger he used Zachariah and Elizabeth as they were middle-aged he used Simeon and Anna in the later years God is faithful to use you and me if we are willing to be used for his glory Age is not a prohibition to God's use of us for His kingdom. Anna, she was in God's location. She was in the temple. She had positioned herself to be in the place that was symbolic for the presence of God's Spirit. This is why you and I must associate ourselves with the things of God. We must be in the place where we know the Lord will meet us. We talk about coming to the altar to pray. It's not because this place is any more special than any other place that you could go and pray, but it is a place where we said, We will come and meet the Lord. There's a reason why why we gather here on Sunday mornings together, because as we say, in the community of faith, we're going to come together and meet the Lord together, placing ourselves in a situation where it's easier for us to hear the voice of the Lord. And this is exactly what Anna had done. As much and as often as she could associate with the things of God, that is what she did. associating with the things of God, there are so many things that seem to take our attention and our focus away from associating with the things of God. You know, you find yourself maybe feeling like you're away from the Lord or like your relationship with Him isn't as, as maybe purposeful or dynamic as what maybe it was at one time or maybe it's just never been to where you want it to be uh, do you find yourself associating with the things of the lord or associating with the things of the world where do you find yourself most often you find yourself associating with the lord and in his word and hearing what he wants to speak to you and and learning what his word is about reading it and meditating upon it and thinking about it do you find yourself in the context of Uh, a church family, regularly engaging with one another, learning one another, being in fellowship with one another, that we can encourage one another in the ways of the Lord? Do you find yourself doing the things that God has called us to do in in prayer and in uh, helping when there's a need, being part of that body, being in the place that God has called us to be so that we can more clearly hear his voice positioning ourselves? to be in those places where we sense the presence of God's spirit. Anna was also uh, doing the business of the Lord. She was fasting and she was praying and she did these things day and night. I find that very interesting. She was in fasting and in prayer day and night. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, when they get old, when they get old every time, Day and night, fasting and praying, day and night in the temple. And why all the time? Why at 84 or 105 years old, how old she was, why all the time? Why not once a week or twice a week? Why not just in the morning when she woke up? Why not just in the evening uh, before bed? There was something within Anna that was a passion to know the Lord a passion to know God's plan. She had a heart to know God day and night at each opportunity, praying, seeking the Lord, following the leading of the Lord. She was at the proper place. Interesting how this story unfolds. In verse 36, it says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years. After their marriage, and then as a widow uh, to the age of 84, she never left the temple. At that very moment, she came up, verse 38, and began giving thanks to God. So there was a, a, uh, what I would say is a Holy Spirit meeting. How many times had she been in that path that she had walked going into the temple or going up toward uh, the temple? The temple was such a a holy place. The steps going up uh, to the temple were constructed in such a way that there was a shorter step and then a longer step and a shorter step and a longer step for the purpose to force people to take it slower than what they normally would. You know, Some of you, kind of, if you're on the steps, you're like trekking up there pretty quickly, you know, and uh, and others may take a little longer time. But this was purposely constructed to say you're going up to a holy place. How many times had uh, Anna been part of that? While she wouldn't have been allowed fully into uh, the temple, she would have been allowed to go up to the outer portion of it. How often did it happen? How often did it happen? But because she had set her mind on the Lord, because she had placed herself in the things of the Lord day and night, fasting and praying, seeking God, maybe all those times, not much happening, not much going on, not many things that we would say, oh, that was a great move. But one time, one opportunity. It was a powerful meeting. But with her eyes, she glances over and she sees Simeon and Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And it is revealed to her what is going on in that instant. In that instant. And she offers the Lord's praises. She understands where this baby Has come from. She praises God for fulfilling His Word, and her praise is the product of her knowledge of God's Word coupled with the revelation that Jesus, who she's laying her eyes on, is the Messiah. Understand that. So her Understanding is coupled with a knowledge of what would have been our Old Testament, an understanding of the prophetic voice of the Old Testament and what was written by prophets long ago, an understanding of what we would say the written word of the Lord coupled with the power of divine revelation through the Holy Spirit to say, Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming, understanding that by reading the word, but then having the revelation of the Spirit to say, this one is the Messiah. The two brought together. When this church began, one of the things that we prayed to the Lord for, and we asked the Lord for, was that this church would be a church built on the authority of the Word of God, as well as an understanding of the present working of the Holy Spirit in God's people, bringing these two together in the congregation with God's people, knowing that God has given us his word, but God is still active and present through the Spirit, giving gifts to men that ought to be in operation in the local assembly of believers. She had a knowledge of God's word coupled with the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. And when she sees that this has happened, when this child is the Messiah, what does she do? She continues to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. She became an evangelist to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. Continued to speak of him. She couldn't stop she had encountered Jesus and she couldn't stop talking about this Jesus so anyone who would listen everyone who would give her ears she would continue to speak about this child and she was speaking about those she was speaking to those who had ears to hear those who were looking for the redemption of Israel she continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. I think one of the applications that we can take away from the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph, from uh, Simeon and Anna's life and their uh, faithfulness uh, to the Lord is that God calls us as a people to listen to his word and to be faithful day in and day out. There's going to be Sundays where you're going to come into church and it's just going to be a Sunday morning. It's going to be a Sunday morning, we're going to have fellowship, we're going to have singing, we're going to have preaching, and we're going to leave and go out. There may be some Sunday mornings where the dynamic shifts or the dynamic changes, but what you and I must be willing to do is to be faithful in every part, not to allow this part within us that says, "I need something, uh, I need something unique, I need something dynamic. God's got to do this, God's got to do that. We want to pray for revival. We want to pray for a move. We want to pray for God's uh, touch in our community. But we also are called to be faithful. That's right. We're also called to be faithful to those things which God has called us to do and God has spoken to us. When I look at the life of Anna and of Simeon, I pray that's my life. I pray that's my life, that I'm willing to be faithful to the things that God has called me to do. And maybe there is one moment in time where there is a dynamic that shifts everything. But until that moment, I'll be faithful. And so this Christmas story that we've talked about over the last four or five weeks, this story is a story of God's redemptive plan. When you and I were born, when your mother gave birth to you, you joined Redemptive plan of the Lord. And right now, God is either calling you to a saving relationship with Him if you don't have that, or God is calling you to faithful service. And so you have to determine what is your part? What is your part today? What is God speaking to you today? Is he calling you to relationship with him? A true, dynamic, faithful relationship with him where you are like Anna and Simeon and see the power and grace of the Lord or is God calling you? You've already experienced that. You've already experienced the glory of relationship with Jesus, but God is calling you to faithful service, to not stop. Maybe that is prayers in the temple day and night. Maybe that is going and telling everyone who will listen about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe that's going on a missions trip uh, to Kentucky. Maybe that's doing other things for the Lord that God would speak to you. As we, I'm going to ask them to come and play and we're going to sing. And I ask you to think about your role in God's plan. Are you here this morning? And do you not have that relationship with Jesus? I would say the majority of those here, you probably made a confession of faith in your life. Maybe you need to recommit to that. But I also think for each one of us, God calls us to a time of reevaluation of what we're doing for the kingdom. What is our role, our faithful role? day and night looking for what God is doing, understanding that there are prophetic words that are continued that are spoken in scripture that have yet to be fulfilled and that we ought to be praying those in we ought to be praying and asking God to fulfill his word fulfill his word in his church, fulfill his word in the world, fulfill his word by advancing the kingdom we have a role, you have a role not simply my role or Brother Chris's role, Brother Jay's role, Sister Autumn's role, others here at the church. It's not just our role to kind of go out and do and then everybody kind of come in and uh, fellowship. But each one of us has an integral part to play. And to me, that's the beauty of where we are in the Lord. You have a part and you have a church who wants you to play that part. You have a role. And there is a church here that wants you to take up the mantle of that role in God's kingdom. Let's stand and pray together and ask the Lord to lead us. I pray that he speaks to you today. Uh, Maybe as we pray, uh, you know, at times the Lord speaks, many times he speaks directly through his word. So as we pray, Maybe you're even looking and reading through the scriptures to let the Lord speak to you. Sometimes the Lord gives us what some say is an unction. just a kind of an understanding of this is what we're to do. This is what we're to go. Maybe the Lord may speak to you that way, but we want to pray that today each of us recommit ourselves to the calling that God has given us, both corporately as a people, but also individually. Let's pray together, and then we'll sing you want to come uh, to the altar, certainly that is open. If you do not know the Lord this morning, you want someone to pray with you, you're not in a relationship with Jesus, uh, we'd invite you to come specifically and come to the altar. But also, again, if you need someone to intercede with you to help you, you're always welcome to come. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have today to be in your presence. Lord, I thank you for the word of today through Luke chapter 2, the public reading of scripture that speaks to us about faithful people. Well, we often look to the beginning of the Christmas story during Advent, and we rightly should. There are so many beautiful passages, beautiful understanding of how you have worked and how you brought the Lord Jesus Christ to come as that babe in a manger. Lord, the purpose wasn't simply for a babe to come in the manger, but it was for that child to grow into a man and to give his life on the cross as the, uh, the, the ransom for our sins, that there had to be a penalty to be paid for our sin. That was the purpose before the foundation of the world, that Jesus Christ would come and die upon the cross in order that those of us who believe in that sacrifice would be saved. God, I pray today that if there's anyone here who does not have relationship with you in that personal way, that you would more fully reveal yourself to them, Lord, and touch our heart today, God. Lord, I also pray for us as a fellowship, Myself included, Lord, that we would not grow weary in well-doing, that we would see the opportunities before us, Lord Jesus, that we would be faithful like a Simeon or like an Anna, and God, I pray that you would speak to us today very clearly through your word, God, I have no ability to change someone's heart or to move someone to action. But God, you're able to do it. And I pray that for myself, Lord. I pray, God, you would continue to move me to action. As preachers, we can get comfortable through the routine of preaching the word and say well I'm doing my part I'm doing my part I'm doing this every Sunday I'm doing my part that's my part but God even with preachers you speak and you call us to even more faithfulness I think about Anna day and night serving the Lord faithfulness day and night day and night Simeon waiting, seeking, watching, looking. Stir our resolve, Lord. Stir our resolve for the things that you have called us to. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your grace and mercy today. We pray, Father, for your continued working of your spirit in our lives individually and also corporately, Lord. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. Let's sing together. Thank you for being a part of Riverstone Church. I hope today's message encouraged you to take a step closer to Christ. If there is anything we can pray for or talk with you about, please visit our website at riverstonechurch.net. May the Lord bless you this week and may you walk in all of His promises and plans for your life.